There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Well, when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so it opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I, I'm heartbroken. It's great to finally be back, Cheddar. I think it was seven months ago in our last hurling show, we were warning people to follow public health advice and and not to be going crazy little do we know then that it, instead of being two or three weeks of a lockdown cheddar we're back seven months later uh, back in another one but it's hard to believe that it's not that long ago since we were talking hurling uh woolly um yeah. and i suppose looking a huge amount of things have happened in the meantime some of them not good for society and and so on so on but look it's i suppose it's great that the um inter-county championship we're starting up again again now but the people are looking forward to it you know obviously there's risks to it um but i think it's just great that it is starting up and you know please god it will run through to the final and in december and uh, please god we'll have a great championship and look we've a little bit of i suppose a little bit of evidence here um of this working bully because there's been some fantastic club championships around the, the country in the last couple of weeks and there's no reason why the inter-county championship cannot take place now in a safe environment and that it, it finishes and that we have a very, very good championship. I think we're all looking forward to it. Yeah, we definitely are. Just actually, before we're starting to record, I saw a tweet from John Fogarty, and, uh, because I, I have the football show already done, and he's tweeting that the GPA are demanding that, um, that all squads are tested for COVID or the season will need to be reconsidered. Oh, I agree with that. Um, I, I think, you know... God, is that not, not a little bit late in the day to be talking about these things when everybody yeah. was a number of weeks ago? Um, and I'm really surprised at this. And a little bit surprised. Um, I'd be very, very much a, a players-oriented person. Um, but 
you know, is this flexing your muscles or what? I don't know. I mean, everybody knew about this a number of weeks ago. Why wasn't it discussed then? And first of all, why not discuss it and talk to the GA and talk to the medical people in the GA? Because I can tell you one thing, um, I felt more safe in the last number of weeks in the club championship, um, you know, dealing with club doctors and all of that. And certainly I would be dealing with GPA or anybody else, I can tell you. Um, so I, I'm just surprised at this. Uh, first of all, from two from from two parts, I suppose we knew about this a while ago. Why wasn't it raised at that stage when we were talking about drawing up the championships? And second of all, um, you know, is this based on medical advice? And what is the medical advice? And does that medical advice conflict with GA medical advice and HSE medical advice? Um, and if it does, then it needs to get discussed. If it doesn't, then let's let's sort this out. Yeah, exactly. It 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 go, For my understanding, it completely goes against uh, public health advice because play, teammates are casual contacts, and training is 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 completely geared towards keeping them as casual contacts. In that they drive to training on their own, they're not close enough to each other. Team meetings, dressing rooms are all are all um, out of the question. So. And, and at inter-county level, they have two dressing rooms, so everybody's spaced out, no huddles. So as long as they're casual contacts, I can understand everybody getting tested if they were close contacts, you know, like the Premier League players are who are cocooning away together. That's not what the GEA has done. So it's definitely a strange one um, on the GPA that just caught my eye. So I thought it would be strange not to have brought it up. Um, and I'll finish on that point, uh, Uli. Look, look, we're not medical people here, so we cannot judge these things. And to be honest with you, there's a lot of confusion around the place from, medi- from some medical people. Uh, but my understanding of it is that testing doesn't serve a huge amount of purpose. That level of testing doesn't, and waste, and I think that that, that person is right, would waste an awful lot of resources that might be actually pointed elsewhere. What what I would fully agree if the GPA were to get in behind is, are there additional measures we can put in place to protect everybody? And it's not just necessarily the players. There's an awful lot of people involved that are going to be in Croke Park next Saturday night that are not players. And we have a duty of care to everybody here, not just necessarily the players. And I think if there was additional measures to be put in place, you know, whatever that is, let's go to whatever that is. From my discussions with medical people on this um, earlier on in the year, they're the most important things that can protect everybody. And, you know, if there was something on, on that line, I'd be fully supportive of it. And I'd say, stop. If, if there's a concern about this and that we can do more and that we're not doing it, then stop until we figure out what this is. But other than that, I, I, I just don't understand this, this you know, 24-hour call and something like this. Yeah, imagine shutting down the championship at this late stage, like, like you say. It definitely seems like a strange call. Maybe they're bound to the pressure, Cheddar, because there's a lot of pressure out there. There's a lot of pressure being heaped on the GEA to pull everything. Um, I don't understand it myself, but anyways, we'll we'll continue on. As as you said, we've leashed Dublin oh, kicking oh, off. Go on, Cheddar. Well, yeah, I, I would like to comment about that. Um, you know, there, there is some pressure, uh, but what you know, what is that pressure? Is it just this typical social media pressure? I think that's what it is. It is. Yeah. Let's remind everybody here and be very very clear about this. The first organisation that was in visiting vulnerable people and old people. The first organisation were GA clubs all around the country, and you know, le- you know, let's and you know, let's trust GA people to to work on this because nobody knows better that the duty of care to everybody here than actually GA people. And I think it, also, if we want to look at this, you know, remember club championships were well run around the country, with some exceptions, and there will always be exceptions. Um, you know, whether you want to look at restaurants, whether you want to, want to look at shops and all of these, there were exceptions. Let's not tire everybody with the one brush here. And, and, and you know, I think it's important for media people as well to separate this. Is this just a typical 
uh, um, whingers on social media about things or are there some serious issues? Because if they are, we need to discuss the serious issues, not just a rant like that. Yeah, no, exactly. I couldn't agree more. So like I said, Leash Dublin is on Sky and that's on Saturday night. Then we have Clare Limerick on RT on Sunday. Um, Clare Limerick is doubling up as the league final. John Kiley has said, um, haven't really thought very much about the league final. It's the furthest thing from my mind at the moment. Kind of, It kind of puts the league and the championship into perspective where, where, where the thoughts are. What's your idea of it doubling up? I th- look, it, 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 it's an extraordinary year, Woolly. Um, yeah. Well, nothing that was originally planned in any walk of life in Ireland in the last 12 months turned out, regardless of how, um, you know, of how good planning that was. Nothing has turned out the way it is, and nothing will be perfect either. Um, the, the counties you would feel most about are probably the counties that missed out on the quarterfinal, semifinals of this competition and in preparation then for a championship. Um, but look, you know, are there that many counties? And I suppose the other thing is that the... The current lockdown really capsized, you know, the whole idea about finishing out the league the way it was originally planned. Um, so I think if you look at it pragmatically, this is the best that, that we can do. And look, you, you, you need to take John Kiley's comments into this as well, because I'm absolutely sure at this minute that no other um, manager or county would be hugely interested in how they did in the league um, at the expense of how they're going to do in the championship. Um, so it was going to be impossible here to fix this for to everybody's satisfaction. Um, and look, if it just so happens that the two top teams double up um, in in the first round of the Munster Championship, and I think I don't think anybody can have a huge amount of complaints about that, particularly the way things have run, um, you know, in, in the next couple of weeks with the, with the you know the additional lockdown in place. Yeah, we we talk, you talk, you mentioned some of the clubs that maybe things got out of hand a little bit. We probably wouldn't be too concerned about Clare Limerick winning the league and the supporters going book crazy or anything like that. I suppose they can't anyway. Cheddar everywhere is everywhere is pretty much uh, shut down. Maybe the supporters will have to buy a few cans in an off license and and do a Zoom call to their friends or something. And yeah, but Willie, you know everybody, all the experts here have said this is extraordinary, and we don't know how to plot a pathway through this. And the only way you can actually do it is that is through learnings. Um, and I think there's been an awful lot of learnings for the GA and for clubs. You know, we have a number of clubs um, that you know there's a lot there's a, there's been enough media articles about him that may not have handled this very, very well. And it is a very, very emotional thing. You win a county final, you might not have won one in 30 or 40 years. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you can expect this. I am absolutely certain that if any of those clubs that were involved went back next Sunday and won the very, very same championship, would they do it different? Of course they would. Would they have taken learnings from this and been more responsible? Of course they would. And I think that's the important thing. I think it's, the important thing is to trust people here and if then, um, having given the guidelines and all of that, people still decide to go against what you're doing, having all of these learnings and knowing all of these things, then it's time to take action. Um, so I, I think there has been a, a couple of notable cases that weren't right. People put their hand up and said we were wrong and it won't happen again and just make sure it doesn't happen again. Yeah, just just to show how how seriously the GEA have taken this, and I think they've taken it so seriously to the point where they were actually not following public health advice to be more conservative earlier on in the summer, and I was criticising them for that. Only captains, so say Limerick are 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 clear win the league as it's doubled up. Only the captain is going to be allowed touch the touch the cup. So the captain Declan Hannan, I'm not sure who the clear captain is um, this year. 
the, only the captain is allowed to lift the cup. You're not going to have a situation where everybody's coming beside each other to touch the cup. You know, obviously, if the ca- players are casual contacts, like, I mean, and when the cup is lifted, it's not going to be brought down onto the pitch. It's going to be left in the presentation area. Like, just such a, a little small thing, Cheddar. But at least, it, it, like, the GEA, I think, should be absolutely commended for the for the way they've they've handled things over the last uh, five six seven months, and not have this horrific pressure. And you're right; it's a social media pressure. I don't meet any of these people ever in my nor in my in my uh, life. Maybe I just meet GA people, but I don't meet the concern in my in my in my regular life that I meet when I see, when I go online. Um, I, I, no, I, look, I, I fully agree with this. Um, I suppose anything that removes the risk of transmission of COVID. Um, and obviously, in doing that, if you can allow the games to begin, but particularly the first one, anything that you can do to remove that risk, do it. Um, and you know, there's been some traditional things about you know the cup and all of that means, and it's a very, very emotional thing. But again, it's an extraordinary year. People will will comply with that. I have no doubt they will. Um, and you know, when you put it in 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 the context of, well, look, the game can go ahead in a safe environment if we don't do X, Y, and Z. We might have done them previously. There might be important to us and about the folklore and all of those things, but we're not going to do this this, this year. Will everybody comply with that and be responsible? I'm absolutely certain that they will. And and, and that, I suppose I'm just going back to the GPA. I, I think if they went along that route and, and look at all of the things that might, might put transmission of this uh, uh, at risk, and remove all of those risks, whatever they are, whether they're traditional or whether they're important for PR or anything else, take them out of there to allow the games to go ahead. I fully support that. Um, and I think the, the Cup, you know, it would be brilliant. It's fantastic to see, um, you know, when you want to go back and look at Galway winning the All-Ireland and Joe Maxing and West Awake and all of those things. I've entered folklore. They're really, really important to all of us. But this year, let's park all of those things for this year and let's stay safe and look out for one another. Yeah, exactly. So there, there was a bit of confusion uh, regarding these inter-county games going forward. Well, no confusion regarding the senior inter-county games, but the minor and under-21, the GEA fixed these fixtures, Cheddar, for this week. And as it turns out, I think this was more of a mistake from the government. Uh, It was like the government are middlemen between NEFET and the GEA. The government thought inter-county games could go ahead, whereas NEFET had said only senior inter-county games going ahead. So then we have the situation where all of the underage um, games have been pulled this week. You know, rightly or wrongly, I think the under-20 hurling was allowed to go ahead um, last night, but the rest of them... The rest of them are being pulled. I don't know what this is, Cheddar. I'm just instead of giving out, I gave out a little bit about the underage games being pulled. You know, they're sitting beside each other in school. Why can't they play outdoor games? At this point, I'm just glad that we have, we have something. I don't I don't know if I have the stomach to give out about it a second time. Um, um, yeah, no. I think, look, I think this was more to do with the mix up between um, medical people and government. And, you know, I suppose that's a little bit disappointing. You know, there has been mixed messages and mix-ups and, you know, particularly yeah. back in the last couple of weeks and that. And just as a society, um, I could think we could do with stronger and more clear-cut leadership on all of these things, at a, you know, at a crisis time for, for, for the public here. Um, and, you know, th- th- this has happened before earlier on in the year as well, that the GA was sort of caught in the middle. You know, was there one minister saying that the championship could go ahead and somebody else said it can't? Um, you know, that's, that's not a GA problem as such. I do think that the GA could take the lead here um, on some of these things, and you have to commend them in a lot of instances that they have. Um, look, I think society in general, uh, you know, the GA at the end of the day is just a microcosm of Irish society in general. 
I haven't heard of any country around the world or any, you know, uh, medical organization that, you know, that have uh, something in place that's going to kill this this virus. If that's the case, we're going to have to live with this for maybe the next year, maybe the next three or four years. And if we are, uh, we're going to have to plan how we're going to do that. And, we, and I think the GA, you know, might look at, you know, what are the primary tasks um, you know, what are the, and, you know, what are the measures that we need to do to protect all our players here? Because there's no different than they are in life. And I'd be absolutely more than happy to to follow the advice of GA medical doctors on all of these issues. Uh, and I'm absolutely certain that if we did, we come out the other side as safe as if, with a chance of going ahead as if it didn't go ahead. Um, and I think it's no harm for the GA to take a little bit of a lead on this, to be honest with you, because there certainly has been times that the politicians haven't given us clear leads on this about where we're going to go. And, and, and a little bit more, maybe a little bit more strategic thinking about what's going to happen in the next year or two if this virus is still going to be at the same level that it is in Ireland. How are we going to live our lives? Yeah. Um, the GA, you know, it, you know, they're the biggest organisation and sometimes maybe the most pragmatic organisation in the country. You know, let them take the lead on this, I, I would say. Yeah, exactly. I, I, w- I would agree with that. Come here, it's a pity that the minor and under-21 wasn't called off this time last week, Cheddar. It would uh, because I saw a result at the weekend that I was shocked at. Awfully two eighteen leash uh, twelve points. This this fancied minor team that we had been building up um, last week or last year, Cheddar. That all the same lads underage from the year before. I saw our own Brian Carroll bragging on Twitter. Great win for the boys against a highly fancied leash team. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think I think uh, Brian was was uh, scoring a couple of points after this. There, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I looked. At, it was disappointing. Um, it you know it, it certainly had the makings of a very very good team up through the ages. Um, and I suppose you know the Leashes and the Offleys and the Carls and the Westmeads and all of these counties were you know working really hard to try and, and get up a couple of levels. Um, sometimes this happens for you, and it's interesting you know that we're talking about Offley because. Um, awfully obviously won an All Ireland in in in, uh, in eighty, um, but you know they're probably their real force and hurling came from them winning a couple of minor All Irelands and you know in other words developing a team or a number of underage teams and then using those teams as the platform for senior success in later years. Um, and you know they don't happen. You know we look at least football as well. Maybe nineties, early nineties, a couple of minor teams. Um, that you know that you could speak about yourself fully. Um, you know, drove on senior performance. Um, you know, did we maximise that? No, we didn't. But the point I'm trying to make is that it's not often in these counties that that quality of minor team comes true. And you know, you're you're sort of relying on that then to do to you know make as much ground as possible, build up as much confidence and hurling within the county, win as much as possible with that team, and then use that as the platform for your senior. And that's where the disappointment, I suppose, is for Leeds. Now, don't take away from off here for a minute. I actually looked at the game, Woolley, and Offley played really well, had a really good game plan, used the ball well, protected the ball well. Um, I think Leo O'Connor was is, is the Limerick man that was over them, um, and I was impressed with the way they played and that. Um, but, you know, yeah, we, we, we were disappointed. We were looking forward to this team making a breakthrough and then obviously using that breakthrough then to build, uh, you know, for senior success in the next 10, 15 years. Yeah, and did Derek McGrath do... To, he was to his talk. He was the manager, and then he wasn't the manager. He was going to, only going to do a session or two. Did he? Did he do um, a few sessions with them? As it turns out, I oh, know. I think that Derek was really, really good uh, with him, and you know, I'd strongly urge Leeds County Board now that that's in place. 
not to lose that. Um, I actually liked the way Leeds played their use, their use of the ball or carried the ball. There was certainly some good things to like about it, even though the result didn't go their way. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you, you might say, you, you know, I just noticed myself that you might have a lot of plans last January. Uh, they were all flew up into the air by the lockdown, you know, did have a chance to come back in and, you know, for Derek to put his real stamp on that team. I, I would say, no, he didn't. Um, and I think the other thing, Willie, that's really important, you know, is this uh, a crisis um, or is it just, just a setback? You know, so what's, what happens now is the question that we should always ask. What do we do now with that particular team? And do you just let them go and drift um, and not harness the qualities that they have and try and have a go at it again in under 20 in a couple of years' time? That's the crucial question that these county boards need to be asking at the minute. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, th- that's what I would like to see happen. It, that's, it certainly was a setback. And, you know, we had to put a lot of faith in this team that had shown a lot of quality. And that's genuine. That wasn't just... Uh, you know, that's was coming up through the ages that they definitely competed very, very well at the real top level against the top counties. And look, that hasn't happened yeah. in, in Leeds in a while. So that what was there was genuine. Um, the performance last weekend was disappointing. But I'd also have to commend Offaly. Offaly played a really good hurling. Yeah, always coming unstuck against Offaly Cheddar. That's the story. That's the story of our lives here. Um, come here. I wanted to ask you about winter hurling because this is a very unique championship, um, as we know. And like, I mean, who's that going to suit? Like, I'm not a hurling person, so I'm asking you about this. But immediately, Cork, Cork's chances of winning a winter All Ireland for me, they're they're gone. Is that unfair? Or like, you know, is there is there certain teams that this winter championship is going to suit above others? Um. Well, first of all, I don't think it has any impact on Cork. Will the um, you know not a huge impact anyway? It's, it's they're certainly not hold below the waterline by, by by this by any stretch. Um, I think there's a number of things that that impacted. By the way, I'm not going to let you away with this either, Willie. You're you're long enough now delivering the funny quote to have known something. You're not going to get away with that excuse anymore. That I don't know anything about hurling. Um, <laughs> um, no, I think there are. Uh, so first of all, I think good players will adjust it to any conditions. Um, and there's evidence there the last couple of years that is. Ballyhale are a pure skill and pace team, and they've won two All-Irelands in winter hurling, um, and there's not a huge amount of difference. There are variables here. Um, first of all, pitches. A number of years ago, pitches in the winter time, and, and I played in the time when the league actually was played in November, December, and then the, it was split season, um, yeah. you know, in that one year to the start of another year, and some of the pitches were just simply simply working proper for hurling anyway. But, you know, look at the Leinster Championship. All of the matches are in Croke Park. Best pitch in the country um, has the right, uh, um, has everything right about it. So the pitch, I think, is not going to be a huge, as big a, an issue as it might have been 20, 30 years ago. Uh, Munster is a little bit different. They have some matches in different uh, pitches around Munster, depending on the way the game goes. Um, I think the other variable, I think the biggest variable May very and when you're looking at the time of the year, it's going to be weather conditions. You know, if you look at last Saturday or maybe a couple of the last couple of days there, you know, high wind will certainly affect hurling. Um, and there's obviously a much more likelihood of that happening this time of the year than there is in the middle of the summer. Um, I think there's a couple of other variables that are important and not necessarily maybe to do with the time of the year. Um, look, atmosphere or the lack of at matches might affect. Um, I think the other thing, though, is, is the things that will affect most will be if a team is hit with some COVID cases in a team and yeah. they say two or three players, what happens then? Because that would be a serious, serious problem for the team. I think the other issue, there's a number of other issues as well. 
you know, games are going to come fairly thick and fast. Um, you know, so if you pick up three or four injuries, you know, you, you, you might, you saw there last week, Parik Mahan is out, Richie English is, is, I think Richie English though might be making progress and may very well be, be right for stun hurling. Uh, Mike Casey looks to be in difficulty. You take Limerick for the minute, Richie English and Mike Casey off that full back line. And, you know, that's a fair hole to fill no, no, no matter what sort of subs you have. Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously the lack of prep time is going to be important. And that's particularly important for teams that play with methods. They're not going to use systems that you play to a method. And, you know, you might use Limerick and that. You need time to refine those things. Um, and, you know, that might be a small drawback for some teams. Um, and I, I think the other thing that might be important is, the number of teams, the number of teams that have new managers in place. Shane O'Neill and Galway doesn't know his players the way he'd like to know them. Liam Cahill probably has a better chance. Uh, Brian Lowen may not know him. I think it's a bit of a drawback for them, um, particularly as, as I said earlier, if they're playing to a certain method in a certain system. Have they two players for all of those systems? So if somebody gets injured, uh, you know, do I know enough about a player that he's going to be able to fulfil the role I have for him as a defensive wing forward or 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 a you know, a roving wing forward or whatever, whatever that is. Um, so I think there's a number of things in, in that 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 might be, um, you know, it might might create problems for some managers. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm I'm thinking of winter hurling with a load of rooks, maybe, and the short ball might be risky, not going into hand and slipping out of your hand. But I I don't know. Maybe maybe is a greasy ball in hurling as as difficult as a greasy football. I look at you, you'd prefer that it wasn't, um, but is it a game changer? No, I don't think it is. I think the quality of the players will adapt to anything like that. And, you know, as I said, um, if you would have looked at any Ballyhale games or any of the club championships in the last couple of years, um, you know, was the standard of hurling any better or any less? You would prefer as number hurling. And I just go back to that point. If a team is used to playing space and, and it wants to, you know, move, roll the ball into space, clearly it's not going to travel as fast or as far. And, you know, you need to ad- adapt to that. Um, so I think for most of the teams, um, it won't matter. I do think that, and again, look, if the evidence it is in the club championship, there, there, there certainly is more, maybe more physicality to the game in the winter time, and maybe that's the point you're making about Cork. Uh, but I think teams will adjust to that, Woolly, um, and and um, you know, I, I think it will balance out. Is there is there any team in hurling that kind of depends on the crowd a lot more? I saw in a football context, Jason Sherlock was saying that Mayo footballers will miss playing will you know miss playing in front of a crowd more because they depend you know what I mean on their supporters getting behind them would that be a factor playing behind closed doors would the likes of I'm thinking of bubbles now would would he be able to get up for a game I don't know why he's after springing to my mind you know would certain players go geez behind closed doors this is this is very unusual no I don't think so first of all um, management teams will, will, have, will have worked on this and will have allowed for this um, and look the, the, the recent club championship has shown that I was involved in Kilkenny um, and it had no effect on it whatsoever actually to be honest with you the, the level of hurling and the quality of the hurling was absolutely top draw right throughout and there was obviously nobody and there were very 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 few people um, in the stadiums I think it will have no effect on it I want you to know these things beforehand it'd be different if you landed into a simple stadium yeah. expecting over 40,000 suddenly there was nobody in it that would be a bit of a shock to the system people will have you know teams will have talked about this will have well managed it some players do use that and I probably could maybe go back to the old water team of the 90s and the noughties you know they definitely fed off the crowd and John and yeah. and, and some of the players definitely fed off the crowd um, and they probably performed better with that um, but 
look, these are really top class athletes in every sense. In you know, sure, look, teams have got sports psychologists and all of that, and they'll have dealt with all of this. But they'll be ready for it, and that will not be a factor. I'll be amazed if it's a factor. I'm surprised that Jason mentioned this. Now, you know, Jason could be hopping balls to Mayo and all of that. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. But I'd be amazed if the likes of Lee Keegan or any of those needed thirty thousand. To, con- to convince him or to motivate him to go away and win an All Ireland, I'd be amazed if that was the case. Yeah, I think your Waterford example was a good one, though. Like, I mean, John Milan and Dan Deman and Ken McGrath. I don't know; they were just crowd pleasers, maybe more than them getting it off the crowd. They seem to enjoy. They definitely seem to enjoy it. Mentioning Waterford here, Cheddar. The news this week: the Porrick Mahoney is going to miss the 2020 season. It's a knee injury. Um, like he's a huge loss for Waterford. There's no doubt about that from play and from freeze. And he was flying it with Bally Gunner. I'm wondering, will we finally see Morris Shanahan back? I don't think we will. We had him on the show here, Cheddar, and he's a gen- real gentleman about this whole thing. Said, look, it's just not it's just not going to happen for me under Liam Cal for whatever reasons. He was in unbelievable form for his club and not one of the big, bigger, stronger clubs. He was on the freeze. He was brilliant on them. Liam Cal said at the start of the year, um, the panel is open. He says that uh, depends on what the... He actually said now whether that changes over time depends on these players showing me something different. He's talking about Noel Connors and Morris Shanahan. I don't want to criticise Liam Cal. He's entitled to drop whoever he wants. But I want to ask you as a manager, is the idea that the door is always open the biggest load of horse shit ever? Or has a manager made his mind up already and he's saying this to soften the blow? Um, I think... I think if he is saying it, um, he's been dishonest with his team, and I think the team will smell that. I think if somebody says that the, the door is open for you, um, we think you have a bit of work to do, go away, and, 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 and you would need to be specific to the player. Here's what you need to do to convince me you have something to offer, still offer this team. Um, and that may very well be fitness thing or something like that. Um, and, you know, some managers um, might actually use that to, to reinvigorate a player and to just bloody well waken them up in that. But you've got to live, you've got to be, you know, just so honest about those things. Um, and if you were saying to somebody, your performance has dipped, um, we think your energy levels in your hurling and your effort and your commitment to the team, and I mean commitment to the team rather than commitment to yourself, and all of these things, there may be really valid reasons for letting somebody stand down from a senior team that's really, really driving on to win in All-Ireland. Um, but you've got to be very, very clear and very... Um, uh, specific about the things you are saying to him and you've also got to you, you cannot generalize and you also have got to be careful that what you're saying to that player is also the same that for the rest of the panel so for example if somebody um you know hasn't maybe reached the the um nutrition levels or the weight levels or something like that that you're looking for um and you let them go because of that would you leave somebody else on well look that's a complete mixed message you're giving yeah, yeah. the honesty obtained so if that's the, uh, we, we don't know enough about uh, the Waterford situation, and then uh, you know, clearly Liam went into Waterford and uh, wanted to make a statement about uh, maybe you know maybe what he saw as a cozy relationship in Waterford, and wanted to make that statement, and he made it. Um, but if he made it in the context of that you need to improve and you need to prove to me in the club championship here in Waterford that you still have it to offer something to Waterford on, on the in the first round of the championship against Cork. Um, well, you know, did Morris do that? And did Noel Connors get to a county final with Passage? Um, you know, and considering their, the quality of the player in the last couple of years, did that then say, yeah, you've, you've done all I asked for you and uh, we're inviting you back onto the panel again. Bear in mind the panel got back together in the last couple of weeks. Um, so I think 
you need to be incredibly careful about making those decisions and incredibly fair to everybody. And it needs to be so transparent that there's no ambiguity about that whatsoever. Because if there is, then then what you try to do, you will, you will fail in terms of trying to motivate the team and, you know, make some statements to the team. Actually, it might actually, you know, fall back on in his face to you. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I know uh, Stephen Bennett can take the freeze anyway. He's not as good as Porrick Matney yeah. or Morris Shanahan. Anyways, I might have to I might have to give up on my campaign to get Morris Shanahan back on back in onto that panel. I don't think I don't think it's going to work. Porrick Matney is Porrick Matney is a huge loss um, to Waterford. He's clearly you know he's a clearly incredible hurler. Yeah, um, and you know he is um, he certainly contributes a lot to the scoreboard to Waterford and to to a large extent. And maybe you know the game plan works a little bit around them. Um, and is is Morris Shanahan, for example, a direct replacement for Parag Mahoney? I, I probably don't think that he is. No, no. But the other side of that is, is that you know the quality of play that you do in the training, um, and particularly this year because there's not going to be a huge amount of training. The quality of player, the quality of play in the training will depend a lot on the quality of player you have at the training. Um, and you know you'd have to ask if Morris Shanahan, you know, a couple of weeks ago was shooting the lights out for Liz Moore, and uh, Noli Connors was anchoring passage to a county final. Would they help with the training that's going on that's needed for this championship? Bear in mind that that it's only going to be for a couple of weeks. You know, there are certainly serious questions that you would have to ask. But I'll wrap all of this up. Um, you know, Liam clearly, you know, knew what he wanted to, to do here. Um, but you you do need to be very very careful with those type of statements. Yeah. Okay. Come here. I want to I want to ask you about these yellow slitters. So there was a bit of uh, a hullabaloo about these this time last week. So they're going to be using um, yellow slitters in the in the championship. And Owen Murphy tweeted. We were talking about this this last week. He says, "Lovely. Well, I'll I'll need five hundred hurls now to put those rocks around." And um, Derek McGrath kind of thought he said I was lucky enough to see a couple of uh, teams training over the last few weeks and they didn't see one yellow slitter at any of the sessions when it was announced yesterday I was saying to myself um, that it had been rushed I'd like to have seen it uh, given a little bit more uh, uh, piloting so the very strong likelihood is that that these slitters are in and that teams won't have had too much practice with them How, how do you think that you know will factor or is it an overreaction from hurling people who don't like change I think there's a number again, like a lot of things, Uri, um, there's a number of aspects to it. And rather than just giving a knee jerk reaction to it, look, it has been traditional for a long time. Um, and um, I think, is this a critical issue at this? I think I have a different view on this, Uri, to be honest with you. I think, is it a critical issue at this minute? Um, and I don't think it is. And I think we've an awful lot of things to try and get right here and to try to throw something else into the mix. And also ask teams to get right. Wasn't the right time to do this. I think it was poorly thought out in that in that sense. Where I would much rather the focus of all team management to be on keeping players safe, and that is a very very onerous task and a very time consuming task. Rather than also saying, you know what, management, we're going to throw something else on you. We're going to actually throw in a yellow paper. <laughs> no, we don't. Yeah. Um, well, that's my main um, probably objection. I'm sorry, the other thing I would, it, it clearly wasn't trialed. And, you know, so why, is, is there an absolute need for this at the minute? I don't think there is. Um, interestingly, and I was, I, was, I was surprised that Derek said that, that he, you know, that there wasn't, that team management weren't practicing with yellow slitters. I was surprised at that, at that particular point. Um there was a fantastic article um, by John Harrington on this particular subject 
Um, I think he was discussing with Valerie Kennedy, who is the expert on this. Um, I might be able to pronounce this right, but I think Valerie might be, is it an optometrist? Is that the word for vision? I made that wrong. I bow to the experts on it, but she's certainly an expert on sports vision and all of that. And and what I was what I was really surprised about was not necessarily the the, the issue around the white or the yellow litter. It was her, it was the all of the, her views on players' vision and um, the research that she had carried out. I mean, this is pretty deep medical stuff here, and certainly not qualified. I much prefer Valerie to, to to talk about this fully on a show. Uh, but for example. The ability of uh, players with colour blindness to be able to play at the top level is probably very, very low. And there's issues around colours, particular colours um, in terms of green and reds. Yeah. Um, issues, I was surprised at some of these statistics that I think 80% of the population are right um, eye dominant, right handed, right footed, or alternatively left eye dominant, left handed um, and left footed. But in, amazingly, in Gaelic players, there's a, a sort of a cross dominance, much higher in Gaelic players than there is in society in general, which I which I was surprised about, and I certainly would be very interested in hearing discussions around that. I was very very surprised about, um, and certainly would like to hear more about uh, her comments about, um, I suppose, visual ability of players, and this is really important moving forward with teams that are going to play a possession game, because your ability to, to understand and your, your spatial awareness around the field is really, really important. And here is somebody, an expert in the field, uh, setting out the, 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 I can't think of a better reason, but maybe the, the technical reasons why maybe players don't are not able to play like this. And it would be very, very interesting to hear a little bit more uh, discussion on that. Um, the, the, the final point I'd make on a woolly is that it looked like in the comments around this that a lot of the test and trial was speaking about tennis. Um, I think tennis changed over to yellow in 72. Um, I think Wimbledon, because they were a traditional club, didn't change over to 86. But that's a long time ago now. But all of those sports are sort of played in the daytime. And you look at the Leinster Championship. Uh, sorry, the real reason here um, for, for this is that... Um, um, when you're when you're looking at the object against contrasting backgrounds in the daytime, you've got cloud and you've got cloud yeah. and colour and all of that. It's difficult to see. It's more easy to see a, a yellow than a white, and that's what the experts are saying. Saying, and I've no doubt that's the case. But actually, when you look at the Leinster Championship, there's three or four matches played in the nighttime. So what's it like under lights? You know, maybe it is better. I don't know. I think I think it would be good to explain all of that to different people. But I just finish with my final. Uh, uh, point on that. Is it a critical thing to be implementing at this stage when there's an awful lot of more crucial things to get right around COVID and the protection of players and all of that? And should we have postponed this till maybe next year or the year after? Well, look, we've had 130 years or whatever the hell it is of impacted hurling. Do we need it now? I don't think we do. We should have went on. We should have said it clear. Look, we're going to introduce this in a year time or two year time. We're going to trial it in the league like we do with everything else. And then we're going to introduce it and give you a chance to get used to it. I think that would be a better way, a fairer way of actually bringing it in. Yeah, we, we definitely make a good point on, on that. There's more important things than changing around to realize it. I, I do find when I'm watching a match, if there's a big clearance, I might lose that ball in the air. Would you find that or would you always be able to follow it? I oh, know you, you, you will. And to be honest with you, look, that's down a little bit to eyesight, clearly. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I mean, it's, 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 it's a very interesting and a very serious and a very serious discussion, Willie. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're, you're, your eyesight deteriorates as you get older. That's they're just facts. <laughs> mine definitely is because I might be missing a lot of things. Uh, and if you look back, um, you know how many. 
I know a lot of players play now with with um, lenses and that, but you know, going back a number of years ago, if, if, when, when they weren't available, you had some players that played with with, with spectacles. I remember Paddy Broderick was a Kenny Hurler going back a long time, uh, and there's been a number of them like that. And I know towards the end of my own hurling time. Um, and I, to be honest with you, it took me a, a number of weeks and months that I had the puck out. You know, I might have missed the ball in the air. I should have been, I should have retired much earlier, really, would you have done? Um, and it was just the age thing. Uh, obviously, your, your eyesight had deteriorated a little bit. Um, but I, I, look, I, I think the science um, is, is, is right here. And certainly, I'm quite happy to listen to Valerie on these things. Um, and I, I'd love to actually speak to her about, you know, the whole idea about. Uh, players' visual ability and their ability to see things around them and all of those things was really, really interesting stuff. Um, but I think the introduction of it this time, it, this time is the wrong time when there's an awful lot more important things that needs to get done. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Before you go here, we had some technical issues, so Brian's going to look ahead to the game. I want to get your thoughts on uh, Leash Dublin um, as quick as you can. Who do you who do you fancy here? God, I'm surprised you asked that question. Really. <laughs> I think that's a joke at this stage, Shedder. I've never heard you tip against Leash. No, look, of course you're going to go against Leash. Look, we're GA people. We we trust our people. We trust our management team. We trust our players. Um, and uh, look, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm obviously speaking with a Leash academy here. I would love to see the team building on last year um, and showing. You know, and a lot of people said that Le- Dublin were under coop last year and they weren't ready for it. And they, they they didn't treat Leash with the respect that they deserved, and so on, and so on. Um, and I'd love to see Leash going into it's in it's in Croke Park. Fantastic opportunity. Um, and going in there and, and really building on last year. And I think what's really important, um, and, and I do want to see them go for the win, but you know, I'm obviously commenting here on, on the show as well, Willie. What's going to be really important for a lot of teams is the actual performance. Uh, because you know, you win um great, you move on. Um, and you know, this 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 championship is also going to be a lot around momentum. Get momentum behind your team, build on it incrementally, week on week, and you know you don't know where it will get you to. But you lose, and you're going to be out again uh, 14 days later in the in the first round of the All Ireland Championship. Um, and you know it's difficult to recover again at that stage. You may very well be playing. You know you could be playing anybody, or you could play a really serious heavy hitter. Um, and so you know, not alone is winning important, but performance is really, really important. And look, that's applied to Dublin as well. Um, you know, Matty is under pressure here. Um, he's changed his management team. Um, he had a, he knows he had a serious setback last year to the development of the team. Um, he's changed around some things and that. Um, and you know, he's he's he he needs a win badly on Saturday night. Uh, but so do Leash. We you know we're not going to back off of that either. We're not, you know, Leash are not going up there to make numbers or anything like that. Yeah, I'd my we'll have to make an appeal to the Leash public to stay off the streets and stay out of uh, the towns when Leash beat Dublin on Saturday night in Croke Park, Cheddar. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd be saying that about everybody. You know, um, you know, it's good to have. Um, you know, a bit of fun and laugh around in these serious times as well. But they are serious times, and and you know, we, we do need to say to everybody. First of all, first of all, Willie, we do need to thank the GAA and particularly a number of people, COVID officers, doctors, people who stood in gates and club championships for the last number of months. We 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 owe them an awful lot of gratitude because you know there was enough of people whinging and crying about the club championship and it not being run properly and not being run in the right time but it was this year but it was only run properly due to a small number of, of people who were volunteers who gave up an awful lot of their time to make sure that that happened um, and, and, and um, I think you know we just just need to recognise that and be serious and I suppose we just need to be serious with each other as well be responsible here to everybody we owe a duty of care to everybody and that 
duty of care is to the person that you're marking as well as, as your own players. Yeah, exactly. Brilliant, Cheddar. Thanks very much. We'll be back in part two and Brian and myself are going to look ahead to the games. I'd never be allowed to go off in eight and hit a shite like him and you know, a slob or whatever. Like, I was always doing a bit. I remember, all I remember is I thought I was going to get clobbered on the way in there. I threw the ball up in there. I don't know. It was, it was pure luck, no appearance. Pure luck. Ah, uh, but it's fucking bullshit. Have you seen yourselves? All right, so we'll have a look ahead to the games here, Brian. You've joined us on the phone. We've had some technical issues here, so I'm splitting the two of you up today, Brian, rather than uh, having the two of you on at the same time. I just want to start with this issue in Offaly before we get into the games at the weekend, uh, Brian. What, it's, it's a strange one in that um, a player has, has tested positive and he was at last Tuesday's uh, session on October the 13th. And all players and backroom team members are deemed to be close contacts. Now, that's a very strange one in that what were they all doing, sitting on this fella's knee or how were they close contacts? I thought teammates and management were supposed to be casual contacts. Oh, I fully agree with you, Wally. It's it's a very, very strange ruling um, by the HSC on this particular case because it doesn't seem to be the case with all other uh, teams that have had um, you know, people have tested positive. It seems to be only maybe the, the people that maybe share the car or yeah. in this close context have actually been asked to self isolate also. And obviously, get, um, so like obviously the whole the whole panel is in for that uh, testing from Crow Park. They're hoping to get that done as soon as possible. So hopefully, you know that none of the rest of them actually test positive. But regardless, they all have to self isolate now for for fourteen days. Um, backdating obviously to thirteenth. Uh, so it's a bit of a mess because as far as I know that particular player wasn't even training on that particular night you know he wasn't feeling well um, and didn't train um, which obviously has its own issues too but he, you know he didn't train so it seems to be a, quite a harsh ruling on this particular offly Right is this, yeah, it's definitely a weird one so the fallout from this is they're going to miss their championship game against Kildare and they're going to have to go through the back door because that game against Kildare um, is going to be inside the 14 days isolation. And I'm just speculating here, Brian, but could this be a mistake by the Offaly management having maybe had fellas in in a team meeting for too long so that they're being deemed close contacts instead of keeping things casual? Do you know what I mean? I'm trying to understand why, yeah. this, is, why this is being dealt with differently to every other county. Honestly, it goes back to whoever has dealt with it in the HSC and their ruling on, on, the, on the fact of close contacts. That 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 was a field session. Um, to my, the best of my knowledge, that was a field session. It's bizarre, then, isn't it? It is, it is bizarre, being honest. You know, because obviously I'm coming from a different situation here in schools, where unless you're within inside the two meters with masks off for more than fifteen minutes, you're not yeah. in contact. So you know, we could have a student within our class classroom setting. Uh, test positive and uh, you know me as a teacher wouldn't be counted as close uh, close contact so it's a very very strange interpretation of the ruling but it seems to be down to the individual that dealt with it from the HSC so it seems to be very very harsh from an perspective they, they seem to be doing everything right in terms of adhering to all the protocols uh, you know a lot of the players and, and management from talking to them you know they seem to be upset the fact that the, it seems to be quite a harsh ruling because they were following everything and did think right break down any of the protocols or, or, or things that they'd said in place. Look, I, I would hope that maybe a little bit of common sense. I don't mean those those players now have been deemed as a close contacts, but like I, I, it, there's a bit of a grey area here. Like what's stopping our under-20s from actually representing Offaly on Saturday? You know, they had a really good win last night against Westmead and they were missing their three senior players. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, and you know, what's stopping them from representing Offaly? Because well, there's nothing really, I suppose. They could be reclassified as seniors. Exactly. Like, as far as I'm concerned, I wouldn't like Offaly to give away the game. You know, I don't think there should be a reason to have to give away a game. What what teams said it has to be those particular group of players? I understand that they're the ones that have trained for the last year or whatever. Um, but you know what I mean? There, there is a wider scale thing. I, I, I would I would like to see that maybe our 20 could actually represent Offaly on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Or else you could they could get the COVID advisory committee to get some advice and maybe get a second opinion because it doesn't seem to be following the same protocols as other counties. And if you're going to miss a championship match, definitely I'd be asking, you know, for a second opinion because this is not this this is not the protocol. No, because you look at Antrim, you know, one of the players since the game at the weekend has tested positive, you know, and they played Kerry last Saturday in the, in the league final. Um, and only, I, I think there's only one or two players have to actually self-isolate. And they're going, they're going ahead with their big game against Westmead this weekend. So it's, you know, it's it really is a very, very unfortunate ruling from the HSC with this particular off team. Yeah, it definitely has. Right, we'll move on to the hurling. Because, geez, like, I mean, I'm talking back to when the football show since last week, Brian, and we're kind of like, all right, we'll get these two league games out of the way. Teams can get some prep. You know, you've got the hurling, uh, you've got the hurling going straight from nothing into championship. And not only are Clare and Limerick playing for the quarterfinal of the Munster Championships, doubled up by a league game. It's like, Jesus, they're going to be hit by a storm um, on Sunday after sitting on their arses for seven seven months. Okay, not literally. Yeah, like, yeah, look, most teams now have got practice matches at this stage, but look, practice matches are not the same. No. But you're dead right. It's literally straight into seriously high-quality championship matches or what you'd expect. You know, you've Leash and Dublin, obviously, Clare and Limerick. I think John Kiley summed it up well in saying the league final is the furthest thing from their minds yeah. from that perspective. Yeah, no, Cheddar was was talking to Cheddar about that. It just, it does show the contrast between league and championship. There is no comparison, is the you know, is the the honest answer. John Kiley was also talking, they must have done a media thing during the week. He says anyone knows anything about Limerick Clear games over the last couple of decades, probably four decades or more, will know you don't want to make any presumptions about anything because you could be mistaken. And you look at it like I'm looking at this on the on at, at the point that geez, Limerick could do a job on Clear this weekend, but Clare did a job on Limerick the year before in Ennis. Do you know what I mean? This is a neutral venue. Limerick hammered Clare at home last year. Clare hammered Limerick at home the year before. You know, Clare coming off a bad year. Who's to say Limerick are going to hammer Clare? There's just so many un- unknown kind of things coming into the game. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree. And, and they both have their issues because obviously it's well documented who Clare are missing. You know, John yeah. Con- Peter Duggan's out in Australia. Um, you know, Colin Galvin's not playing, he's injured and and, and um, Podge Collins has opted, I think he's gone with the football as far as I know, he was so yeah. on for Clare football last weekend. So, you know, they're four big, massive blows. But then obviously Limerick have, have their issues too. Mike, Mike Casey and Richie English, I know, is making his way back. But, you know, they're big blows to their team. Shane too. Dowling. Shane Dowling, obviously, yeah, having retired too. So, you know, like... Limerick, who would have been maybe at the outside of this championship, would have been everyone's favourites to, to, to win the championship. As you said, it's a real kind of up in the air, very hard to gauge where teams are going to be at because one one of these teams could be caught cold very, very quickly. Um, and, you know, all the training, all the, the, the training on their own or whatever, it's just not the same when it comes to championship hurling. Yeah. You've mentioned Mike Casey and Richie English there now, right? So, there's a serious weakness in the Limerick fullback line. Richie English is brilliant, and Mike Casey's a big commanding. Like he's brilliant at the role at his game as well. If we're being honest, like he can tie up Colin Fenley. Like I mean, you would imagine if Clare had Peter Duggan and and um, and Con- and Conlon that you would think Jesus they can get an awful lot of joy here. 
you certainly would. And look, Claire under Brian Lawton have made obviously significant changes to, the, to their style and the way that they're going about their business. And even in terms of where they're positioning their players, you know, during the league we saw Dave McInerney playing midfield alongside Tony Kelly. Yeah, you know, it was a that worked. No, it did. It really worked. Now, obviously, you're Robin Peter to play Paul because you're losing Dave McInerney out of that that backline because he's so versatile. He can play fullback, centre back, or wherever you need him to. But it's you know it's brilliant. We've seen Tony Kelly probably return to his best form we've seen in in the last couple of years. Now look, he's fantastic when he's on form. He is just unmarkable. And then, obviously, um, the big one was Dave Fitzgerald was actually gone to centre-forward. Now, he got injured in the last league game, and um, he has offered something different up there in terms of his robustness and his, his, his aggressiveness, and he's obviously very strong and physical, and he offers something different, considering, as you said, they've lost Peter Duggan and John Conlon, who would have been their big men, their go-to men up there. So, clear of, you know, they've brought something different. Um, you would think, though, that Limerick probably have a little bit, probably maybe more experience, and maybe you know, that they can jig around their team a little bit more. You'd maybe expect um, um, Dan Morrissey. Yeah, you'd maybe, you'd maybe expect Dan Morrissey to fall back into full back. And, you know, Aaron Costello has been there, thereabouts, kind of breaking onto the team over the last year or that, maybe coming into cornerback and Barry Nash coming in at wingback. So, you know, they, they maybe have a little bit more settled from that perspective. Right. Has Dan Morrissey played full back before? You seem fairly sure that's an option. I, I haven't seen him. Like- He's fallen back into full back in the league over the last number of years right. as well. So like they haven't been afraid to try those sort of things to, um, over the last year or two in the league. So you know Dan Morrissey could work there. Yeah, he definitely could. So Claire, it looks like Aaron Cunningham and Aaron Shanahan might start in the full forward line alongside Shane O'Donnell. So like Aaron Shanahan is good in the air. Aaron Cunningham's not not bad in the air either. Not, they don't have the physicality, I suppose, of Duggan and Conlon. That's the difference. No, they don't. But obviously, they bring something different. They have huge pace. Um, they're very direct in, the, in their approach as well, um, in terms of head down, go straight for goal. And like that, that full forward line has serious pace. And if they get quick ball into them, um, you know, that, that they really could do damage. Now, weather conditions obviously might have a, a lot to play in that. Um, you'd expect the surfaces to be pretty decent, but you know you're just you know it's winter. It's, it's essentially winter hurling. You just don't know what what weather is going to bring. The weather forecast is not great this weekend either. You know, of Limerick, who over the last number of years have sat their half back line back a lot, and they, they try to nullify that space that maybe Clare will be trying to exploit. But if if they get an opportunity, that full forward line has serious pace to burn. I I was talking to Cheddar in part one about winter hurling. It's interesting. Like this is just a, a completely unique championship in that the championship's been played in the winter, right? And we know that's always obvious. Now I'm right. I'm ruling Cork out of winning the All Ireland because they 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 don't like the they don't like the wind and the rain. Uh, I don't think it suits their style either, Brian. Now having said that, in contrast, Limerick have a kind of a short game that you would imagine doesn't suit that style but it doesn't seem to bother them during the earlier during the league when it's played in in similar conditions no it doesn't and like they they see i think what's brilliant about limerick is is they have a lovely mixture of style they play the ball in short passages in around their half back line in midfield um and then obviously are able to strike long strike strike to the, to the two boys inside um, it's usually two you know Aaron Galan or whoever maybe it's uh, Peter Casey or, or, or maybe Seamus Flanagan depending on who it is or Graham McCatty yeah. but they generally leave two inside and they, they, they play around that short ball around that middle third until they create those opportunities to strike yeah. Um, so they are excellent at it they're, 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 they're brilliant at it and it didn't seem to matter in Winter Hurling any of the league that's gone on over the last couple of years it never broke down they're so good at it um, and they're able to add that physicality because in fairness 
bar maybe one or two players, they have a really strong physical team as well. So, like, I mean, you talk about that, and here's a theory on that, is that league matches generally are not hugely high intensity. You go out and play them, whatever, and a lot of that, the more established players wouldn't be at their very, very, you know, pitch, and that's okay. Championship, you are. So, like, I mean, Kilkenny against Limerick last year completely swarmed that area where Limerick liked to play those few balls get them into an area past midfield where they're giving in the lovely diagonal ball. Kilkenny never gave them a second to do that. Now I'm wondering if Clare, take a look at that Kilkenny-Limbrick game, go, Jesus, look, the Kilkenny full forward line moved out to the half forward line. Their half forward line moved into midfield. They swarmed that area where Limerick are loved to play around the nice little balls. Jesus, try and do it during the winter then, uh, Brian, when a team's swarming you and that's a wet ball. And, you know... I'm not a hurler, but if you're using the same Gaelic football example, that slippy old ball that's not staying to hand. Yeah, and, and you know, if you go back to one of the last games that Clare were quite um, good in was probably against Wexford, and it was a similar day. It was a really strong wind. Obviously, Wexford very good at playing short ball, playing the, their dynamic sweeper as well. And Clare really swarmed them that day, particularly against the wind. And what they did, what was very noticeable that day was puck out into the wind, obviously not travelling far, maybe only going 50, 60 metres because it was a yeah. game that wind that day down in Wexford Park. They actually loaded one side of the field and pucked it into the numbers, you know, and so just literally turned it into a battleground. Um, Claire so, did that. Yeah, Claire did that. So it'll be interesting to see will they bring that same tactic. And obviously, look, I think every county team, if we're playing Limerick, will try and see what Kilkenny did last year. But that's easy to have that plan. It nearly goes back to the Mike Tyson analogy where um, everyone has a plan to get hitting them out. Um, It's the same with Limerick. You know what I mean? They're so strong. They're so physical. They're so good on the ball. They have that confidence in what they're doing that you would like to think that they should be able to swarm, you know, should be able to adapt to that swarm tactic maybe that Clare or any other team is going to try and bring. Yeah, yeah, that's swarm. And I suppose on the flip side of that is that Kilkenny were able to do that on a sunny day in Croke Park with a hard ground. Would teams have the legs to do what Kilkenny did in, you know, wetter ground in the winter? Your hamstrings would be, your calves would be knotting up uh, on 50 minutes probably. Exactly. And the other thing we have to remember as well, like what a comeback from Limerick in that second half. You know what I mean? Like they almost, like, let's be honest, they should have got a draw because there was that controversial um, wide ball. Yeah. Like that should have been a 65 you know, Limerick were coming so strong at that time, it would have been very hard to bet against them in, in extra time. So Limerick in their second half, and they missed a lot of opportunities in that game that they would have been disappointed with as well. So while Kilkenny were excellent that day, and their, their ferocity and, and tackling in that first half, it was still very, very hard to sustain that for 70 minutes plus. Yeah, you mentioned David McInerney in midfield. Like he, he, You'd imagine he'll stay in midfield because that has worked. And you imagine he'll be picking up Keane Lynch. Does Keane Lynch need somebody kind of following him around? We know traditionally midfielders just like to float around and like, Keane Lynch just completely runs the game for Limerick. He does, and I think I, I think that's needed. But I suppose on the flip side of that, you're going to probably see uh, Limerick man Mark Tony Kelly. You know, you're yeah. going to be picking him up. Be... Who would do that, though? Would Limerick put somebody... Dara Donovan's out. Who? Yeah, look, William O'Donnell, who's well able to do that too. He's, he's he could big, do it. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, and he's, you know, fairness him. He he. There's a bit of boldness in him as well, so he won't be afraid to upset Tony Kelly and and check his runs and do whatever that needs to be done. And that he's obviously a brilliant hurler as well, but he won't be afraid to take on that role if needed. Yeah, is it me or is Tony Kelly love playing Limerick? 
He does. Look, uh, look, I think when Tony Kelly's on his game, he loves playing against everyone. <laughs> he's just one of those players that when he's on form, it doesn't matter who he plays against, he's capable of getting five, six points to play on a normal day, let alone more. So he's just, look, for me, he's just top class. Yeah. Do you think managers are going to be down the road, down the lines of picking teams based on club form rather than, like, I, I don't know from a hurling uh, perspective, but like Desi Farrell, for example, before the Mead game in football, because at least we have that to, to to reference, he was saying the Mead game was the first challenge game or competitive game that they've played since they got back. Like, surely, what are what what are Brian Lowen and John Kiley picking this team on? You know, is it on last year's form? Is it on how you played with your club? Or is it how you played in the challenge game last week? I would envisage that. Maybe those that were, yeah, I'd say it'd probably come more down to the challenge matches. You know, maybe that lads that were playing well with the club and really put their hand up might have got opportunities in those practice matches. Right, yeah. It was sink or swim, especially for those guys that were maybe borderline or trying to break onto the team. But generally, I'd say it would be tried and tested if they're showing any bit of form at all. Um, that's that's what you'd expect. Um, they'll know the system, obviously, best as well. So it'd be very hard to throw a lot of green, like, you know, you take it from a clear effect, it's very hard to throw a lot of you know, people that are maybe just breaking onto the team into the, the, the full trust against Limerick that are such an experienced team. And, you know, even though they could be missing a few players, that they, they should be able to deal with it. You know, they have such a strong panel of players. Yeah. Who are you going for in this one? I think you'll probably gather from, from what I'm saying. I think yeah. I'd be going for Limerick. You know, I, I, think, I think they just have too much. I, look, don't get me wrong, I don't think it's going to be all playing sailing. I was very impressed with what, what Claire brought during that league and where, where they were going um, under Brian Lowen but I just think the loss of the key players that they have is going to hurt them a little bit more than Limerick Yeah Are you looking forward to it? Are you doing it on RT or are you doing the Leash Dublin game? Or? Leash Dublin game Saturday evening so um, I'm looking forward to that too Yeah look it's, it's great I think I think everyone that's associated with GA is really looking forward to seeing Championship You know I know look it was great to see Football League back last weekend but, um, you know, they're, they're not in these championships. Yeah, as long as you're not doing the co-com with Milan, I'm sure he'd be jumping all over you. I doubt, I doubt if you'd be a close contact of his. <laughs> <laughs> He's a gas man. Come here, you mentioned Leash Dublin. Like That's the other game we want to look at. This is kicking off the, the, the year. The, the Hurling Championship has flown a little bit under the radar, I think, has it? It has. I suppose there were so many league games last weekend and there was such a fallout from COVID and yeah. all that. You know, games dropping here now this week. It's there's still massive talking points. Whereas, obviously, the the hurling, you know, it's just maybe as you said, gone under the radar a little bit. Um, it, it's probably understandable enough. You know, I, I almost um forgot Limerick and Clare was on this weekend till I seen an ad for it on RTE actually. So, you know, media wise, there hasn't probably been enough about it. Yeah, I see a bit more about this uh, Leash Dublin game because Dublin had a media day and Chris Crum- Crummy um, was in was interviewed in a, in around a few different media outlets. We all know we all know this is a repeat of last year's ga- game, an absolutely brilliant day for Leash hurling. Um, completely shocked Dublin um, in O'Moore Park. This one's in Croke Park at six o'clock. Eddie Brennan's been talking during the week as well. Leash obviously did a media day. He says if there's any bit of character in these Dublin lads, any bit of real heart in them, we'll be we'll be getting the full brunt of that. I understand what Dublin are feeling and our players have to know that too in terms of their preparation and being able to meet that challenge head on. And I just thought it was like, you know, pretty strong quote, pretty honest, honest quote saying if they've any bit of heart in them, we'll feel the full brunt of that. And I don't think this is any message for Dublin at all. This is a message for the Leash players because it's like, lads, you have to understand what's coming to you on Saturday, don't allow Dublin have that extra motivation. You understand what's facing you, and are you are you capable of meeting that full force in the other direction? 
Yeah, and look, I think that sums up Eddie Brennan very, very well. He is always honest. He's always blunt. Um, there's no sugarcoating, and I think that's exactly what he's done. It's trying to raise his own charges. More yeah. than that. it's like like you, you have to obviously have your eyes wide open to this, you know. And you'd hope that Leash would be able to do that, you know. As you said, it was a great year, but they really do need to build on it this year, and they need to to take a right cut off this game at the weekend, you know. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, tactically what will they do? You know, will they play the sweeper again or a third midfielder? Um, as long as it's not Paddy Purcell, says you. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm definitely against it but then look they, they were doing that in the league earlier when they played Clare in the league in Ennis this year they played Paddy Purcell as their, as their you know sweeper slash third midfielder as well and look I, oh look we've, we've, we've had this conversation I just don't think you're getting enough out of him he's, he's just too good a player I, look, I know he's brilliant on the ball and all that but um, I, I just love to see him in, in a much more, uh, you know, at, advanced attacking role from a, from a midfield perspective. Um, I, I, he, he's just a class act. So it'll be interesting to see will Leash actually do that um, because it did cause Dublin trouble last year. You know, um, you know, Dublin had to be expected, but they didn't cope with it very well. And obviously, Leash just were in that you know defiant mood, and every score was massive. And obviously, the, it was in Port Leash, and the crowd really got behind you, and and you know just built on it and kept it. And no matter what Dublin threw at, at Leash that day, they were just able to you know keep hitting fire with fire. So it'll be interesting. I think probably something that we haven't actually talked about yet is the fact that these are going to be played behind closed doors and there's just not the same feel. It, it doesn't matter what sport you're watching, if it was in soccer, that you're watching or rugby or whatever, there's a total different dynamic when the crowd isn't there. And sometimes it can be actually a lot harder for maybe the, we'll, we'll perceive the, the, the weaker team or the, you know, the underdog because they, they can rely a lot on maybe, you know, um, the, the, the feel of the crowd and the surge of the crowd and the reaction of the crowd to big key moments and that won't be there obviously the players will be there and gene each other on and management and that but you know there is a different feel to it yeah like I mean the, the game in Croke Park as well you'd imagine immediately that'll favour Dublin but I don't know Leash have, had a brilliant year in Croke Park last year beating Westmead and got that momentum to go into the Dublin game and then put in a great performance against Tipperary so in a way you know, it it could almost bring those players' minds back to where they were that time last so you know, this time last summer. Yeah, exactly. And like maybe leash teams of maybe two or three years ago who hadn't played in Crow Park would have been phased by that. Whereas now, as you said, to have that experience of being there last year and had, you know, obviously a great day against Westmead and, you know, a very, very good account of themselves against Tipperary. So they won't be phased by Crow Park. They'll actually relish it. I think if you look at the breakdown of the Leash team, they're actually quite dynamic as well. They have, they have a lovely mixture of physicality and um, a bit of pace up front too. So, you know, they, they won't fear playing in Crow, in Crow Park. They won't be faced by this Dublin team either because they've, they've done it before against them. And, you know, again, it's set up for a really, really good game. Yeah. Uh, and and, and like, I would hope that Lee start well and really build on this and we see a cracker. It's disappointing Chad DeWire hasn't come back in onto the squad. Like, he he was back for Balanakil this year. His teammate, Sean Downey, he's back in and Picky Mar is back. So, like, I mean, I suppose there, there's two pluses. Yeah, it is. Look, Charlie's situation, I'd say there's maybe a, a mixture of characters there between Eddie and Charlie. You know, Charlie's hurling Watson probably at the at the pitch of what he's given over the last number of years last year. And, it, it, you know, he, he was due to go travelling. Yeah. Um, when he didn't then due to COVID, you would have thought, God, maybe he'll come back onto this panel. But obviously, I don't know whether he chose not to or he wasn't invited. But whatever way it's worked out, he's not there anyway. And so, Wait, is there so, is there an issue between Eddie and him? Look, you get the you, you, look. I don't know that for definite. Yeah, don't be putting words in my mouth. But 
looking at it from the outside, you don't. You, I didn't see the best of of Charred Wire last year. Do you know right. what I mean? Maybe the system didn't suit him, where he was the main man and the main scoring forward over the last number of years. And he was good against Dublin that day. Now in a more park, he he threw himself around brilliantly. But but see, he is brilliant. That's the other side of it. He he is very very physical. Um, he hurls on the edge all the time, and he has a you know. A, a brilliant, you know, eye for goal as well. He, he he usually can notch up four or five points, but maybe the system that they were playing maybe didn't, you know, suit them as much. Look, as I said, I'm looking at that from the outside. I could be as far out as a lighthouse with that one, but um, it it is ultimately it is a pity that uh, he he's not actually back on board. You know what I mean? Because he would have been a big plus. But as you said, Pickamar has showed brilliant form for Balakala, um, in their run to the county final. So. He's another man that if he if he shows his best form, he can do it against anyone as well. Yeah, could be bringing Willie Highland back as well. Um, Eddie could be giving it, giving him a call. Well, we we mentioned I mentioned Sean Moore in the forwards with you already, Brian. My memory is 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 pretty much gone. It's hard to know what to say about Dublin and what they can change. And you know we haven't seen enough from them to know you know where where they're back at this year. Yeah, it's very hard, and I. I... They're one team I haven't heard much about either in terms of their, their practice matches or how they're going. You know, Chris Cumming kind of hinted that maybe he might be playing a little bit further up the field as well. So that'll be an interesting dynamic. Even when he is playing wing back, he's forever up the field. I'd hate to be marking him because maybe you might get a few scores yourself, but you'd be, you might be spending a good bit of time chasing him too. Yeah. Was that was that something? Did they do a bit of a Davy Fitzgerald on him in the early league games playing him centre forward? Is that just ringing yeah. my mind here? Yeah, he did. You're, you're dead right because he played centre forward against uh, Carlo anyway, a game that I covered. So, uh, you know, again, maybe looking like that David Fitzgerald thing with Clare, looking for something, a different dynamic. But then will that be Sean Moore and they'll actually go to with that centre forward role? So, you know, it's interesting. They have options, obviously, because they're all good hurlers and can play anywhere. But again, I think Dublin need to get more out of their, their really big players. You know, the likes of Danny Stuckcliffe now, who is yeah. obviously excellent too. But he needs, you know, he needs a bigger return from play. Um, and and it'll be interesting to see how the Kula players can actually maybe really get the best out of them from a Dublin perspective. Like, you know, they, they walked, more or less walked that Dublin Championship again. They're, they're a brilliant team. They obviously know Matty Kenny really well. He knows them really well. But I think for Dublin to really push forward, I think those Kula players need to come to the fore and really excel for them because they are, you know, up there with one of the best teams in the country still. You know, obviously they've won the Ireland, you know, twice, but they're an excellent club team. And you'd love to see those players really transfer that club form into the county um, because, they're, as I said, they're as good as what's around. Yeah, you mentioned Danny Sutcliffe there. He did some media and he was talking about, I have a bee in my bonnet about this, Brian, and I'm sure I've talked about it before, but um, I'm, 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 I can't be sure if it was the football show or the Hurley show, but like he was like, revenge isn't on our minds against Leash. I was like, Jesus, like, I mean, what better motivation is there for revenge to, you know, do redo a result that you let yourselves down in? Like, Maddie, can he blame that attitude last year? Our mindset wasn't right for some reason. I didn't have the guy's mentality uh, right for the battle. You know, he's he's kind of talking about that after the game last year. Danny Sutcliffe is saying, look, it's just another, it's another game. We don't want to talk about revenge. I don't know. If a manager told me, made a speech talking about revenge, I'd be a hell of a lot more going than I would be if we were talking about if they're telling me that this is just another game that we have to win. Yeah, like I, I, I wonder, and obviously we're running to Mizen here. I wonder is that more this sports psychology maybe? Yeah, the emotion. You're not meant to go on emotion. That's the whole thing about it. The process and all that. Sorry, now, folks. 
I don't care what sport it is, at certain times you have to rely on emotion and you have to get up. Sure, look at Klopp. Like, don't tell me that Liverpool don't play with emotion. You know what I mean? Um, you get, sometimes it just needs to be done. You just really, you find a cause and you go after it. We, we discussed this already, Willie. How many teams have we heard? The best in each county. We've heard Six Mile Bridge go on about it. We've heard the Pearshie go on about it. We heard Ballyhale. Oh, yeah. Cause they've all said, Oh, you've written us off, and we'll show you. <laughs> and they're like, No, no, you're the best team in the county, like, no one's writing you off. But if that's what you choose to believe, so emotion still plays a huge part. Um, yeah, so it's strange comments. Look, it probably ties itself, as I said, into that sports psychology rubbish. Yeah, maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's kind of, uh, I don't like Napierschig and Ballyhale, like, uh, amazingly, Ballyhale drew on the exact same. You know, uh, motivation as an appearance we were written off or whatever. Like, I mean, it's just like it's incredible that these brilliant teams. Maybe it's these brilliant teams needed that edit thing. Like Kilkenny down through the years might have had to throw in an extra thing because it's too hard. Maybe it's not hard to motivate great players, but you need to find something something different. But like with Dublin, you've just lost to them last year. You know, like how would you not draw on that? Like, think of the. I would be telling them, think of the pitch invasion. Think of standing out in the field as they ran past you. I, I would. I don't know. Maybe I've never managed, but I, I'd be talking about all that stuff. Oh, 100 percent. You would like. You would think the players would be talking about it. I. I think. Yeah, they're very strange comments. Being honest, I, yeah. I know. I know where he's coming from, but obviously, I. I. I if I, like, you know, any team I'd be involved with. Definitely, you'd be drawn on them, as you said, to, to find that extra bit of a motivation to try and get you over the line because mm-hmm. do whatever it takes. Sure, look, David Fisher is a brilliant one for two, isn't he? Oh yeah, well he's the opposite. He he goes on that maybe over the ah, look. We're tr- the truth is probably somewhere in between the two uh, the two the, the middle of the spectrum somewhere. Um, there's Joe McDonough Cup this weekend as well, um, Brian and. Kerry are playing Mead. We'd imagine Kerry would win that. Even they went down uh, in a great game against Antrim uh, last weekend, and I was praising the Sunday game last Sunday night for their football highlights. And I was being attacked by the hurling people for saying it's a joke, uh, brilliant, le- brilliant league final, and it wasn't even shown. You're a football man, and I was getting this back. So definitely have to reference the league final, Division Two league final last last week in Ennis. Yeah, and um, no, no, that was played in Tullamore actually. Or sorry, in Tullamore. Yeah, um, yeah. Look, big. No matter who won that, it was going to be a massive win because we were back, to, back to Division One hurling for both of them. So, you know, massive win for Antrim. They'd be really buoyed by that, and like they needed maybe that win going into this game against Westmead at the weekend too, because that's a that's arguably nearly the the the, the picture of of the the. Um, of the Joe McDonough because it's a huge game. Uh, Antrim are in bother though. Antrim have uh, some COVID issues. They do. And look, look, I talked about this, you know, it's interesting the fact that, you know, the who's available to them now and who's not available to them. So like, if they're missing a couple of key players that really could help or could help uh, Westmead. And look, obviously Westmead, obviously bringing in Davy Glennon too. So, you know, they'll, they'll be, Quite confident. Remember, they got to that that uh, Joe McDonough final last year. Now they got annihilated by Cork the week after, but Cork are capable of doing that that to them. Um, During the summer, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they Cork hit forty points that day. I thought I'd never see the day. You know what I mean? Um, One forty-one, I think, to score that day or something. It was just unbelievable. Yeah, well, I just like to say to you that Mayo footballer scored two seventeen and a half last Sunday. So look, listen, all these high scores aren't just a small ball, you know. 
<laughs> what's rare is wonderful in <laughs> exactly come here you mentioned David Glennon transfer I, I, got, I had him on the show here last week and I, I have to admit like from a fellow who was on and off panels and when you'd be off the panel you'd be hoping that the manager is gone at the end of the year or else you're screwed the following year and whatever way it always worked with me generally when I dropped off a panel there was a new manager the next year and I got back in. But you look at David Glennon, Shane O'Neill didn't fancy him. He's only 29. And he's like, geez, I'd love to play a few more years. And he's gone to Westmead. I have no moral issues with this whatsoever. What, what, what's your take on it? Um, from an individual perspective, I think he's dead right. Look, Sir Galway have, you know, basically closed the door on him. They say, they say otherwise, but they basically have. Um, and he's looking at an opportunity from his perspective. He doesn't feel he's... Because obviously he's playing for West Media, some feed he's going against Galway. Um, and it's prolonging his intercounty career. So from his yeah. perspective, it's it's a no-brainer if he's able to do the logistical travelling and able to fit in the intercounty scene and and do that. Um, I don't see an issue with it. I probably, from an intercounty perspective, I'm not so sure of the ruling because like this was kind of brought in a while ago, maybe for players that maybe like um you know maybe for developing counties, particularly. Yeah. In- you know, like Westmead are not a developing county. I know they're outside the top tier, but they're they're a very established um, intercounty hurling um, team. Like you know, they yeah. they got to the Joe McDonough last year. They were very very close to, to getting up to, to playing in in the Leinster Championship proper. So, like, like I'm not so sure how his mother's from Westmead, so he does qualify. Yeah. Like I mean. I know he does qualify. I, I look. I'm, I'm not I, I, like. I'm technically he's a hundred percent entitled to. So I just. I'm just saying. I'm. I'm not, I'm not really sure. I've always kind of felt a little bit iffy about, um, you know, players going playing with other counties. I know. I always felt. I'd be lying if I said otherwise. You know. I always felt the same about Dublin. Seeing Ryan Dwyer go up and maybe um, Daryl Connell go up and play up there as well. You know what I mean? So it's it's just the way I feel. Maybe maybe it's very very close mindset from my perspective because I'm thinking that, you know, if I was playing for Offaly and they're they're getting improved by players going playing for them, it makes our task even harder. Uh, maybe it's the wrong mindset altogether, but I'm being very honest in, in what I feel. Ah, uh, yeah, maybe that's clouding your judgment, I suppose. If it's, the, it's the, I didn't actually see it from that point of view <laughs> with me getting David Glennon like that. I don't, I don't know. It's a, it's a situation where, like, I suppose when you see a team like Westmead getting a good transfer like that, I wouldn't really have an issue with that. Whereas if I saw, for example, you know, Tipperary getting someone and making them even stronger, you might have more of an issue with it. So maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe there's more of a a general point about uh, about these transfers than than the way I'm thinking. I didn't get I didn't get uh, predictions off you. Are you going Dublin or Leash? Um, I I tell you what, I'm going to go with Dublin surely because there has to be a bounce in them. They're ha- like they're just there just has to be. I, I just don't see how there couldn't be. And if they don't win this, like. Like really, like they they've been bandied about as you know pretenders to the throne in terms of trying to win Leinster or win All Ireland. If they don't win this, they can forget about that. Right. Okay. Kerry Mead and from Westmead. Are you going Kerry Westmead here? So Kerry against Mead again. Mead are you know you know they're they're not a bad team. They have some really really good hurlers, but Kerry are a very experienced team at this level. Um, they they've been again knocking on the door. Either it's Division Two hurling or. Um, very, very close to get making that breakthrough too. So I'll go with Kerry in that one. And from Westmead, 
God, I think the big win for Antrim last weekend will really, really help them. They have got an opportunity to play as well, which really sets them up for this game. But it is interesting to see how badly affected they're going to be by COVID. I think if Antrim have more or less their full deck, I think they will do it just simply because of that win last weekend. Um, if they're badly affected, you'd, you'd expect Westmead to overturn them. Right. Okay. Brilliant stuff, Brian. Thanks very much. We'll be back on Monday and we'll review these games. Um, so we'll talk to you all then. Good luck. Well, when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So it opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are. And uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I, I'm hard, I'm heartbroken.